Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by Blue Wire Pods. Go check out all the great podcasts here on the Blue Wire Network. If you have not already done so, bluewirepods.com. Go check out Brownstown, uh, the new Cleveland Browns deep dive for 20 seasons. The Cleveland Browns were the worst franchise in the NFL. Botched drafts, terrible performances, inept management. A lot of planets have to align for a team to be that bad for that long. Uh, What exactly were the machinations? In this factory of sadness, host Andre Knott um, takes you inside the unbelievable and often hilarious story of how the Browns stayed bad while a city and fan base loved them anyways. Again, that's Brownstown uh, on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can find my show there and all kinds of other great shows, merch, uh, more information about Blue Wire. But yeah, go check out bluewirepods.com today if you have not already done so. The Chase Mills Podcast is also brought to you by sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. That is my daily sports newsletter that you can go check out today. Uh, just add your email in there by going to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Go do that. I, I was about to say .chase. What am I doing? Um, but yeah, I write every day. Uh, today, I wrote about my NFL week, uh, week three picks and all that good stuff, the Manning cast, how it's kind of awkward with Monday Night Football and the, the normal ESPN broadcast, today, and gratitude, all that good stuff coming to you on sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, leave this show a five-star rating and a review. Um, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you are an Apple Podcast listener, uh, check out chasethomaspodcast.com. Uh, all all access to all my previous episodes there. Um, yeah. All right. That's that's all I've got. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello, and welcome back to a Thursday evening edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and it is Thursday, so you know. That means it is college basketball on this very podcast. So that means young Kim Palm himself, Stats by Will, is here. Will, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Chase? Not too bad. I've had less of an eventful evening than yourself. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes you got to go help your sister-in-law drop her car off at the Ford, the a Ford dealership for an oil change for tomorrow morning. So, you know, you got to do some good things in this world for other people. You got to get that good karma going. You got to you got to lock in those karma points when you can, right? <laughs> right. You got to find the positive. Exactly, exactly. You are uh, you're a nicer soul than myself. I don't know if I would have pulled that one off. I don't know if I would have um, would have partook. That might be a fundamental difference. And uh sorry to future uh, potential sister-in-law, uh, I would absolutely run to a Ford dealership late. That is what I would do. That is that is exactly <laughs> something I would do. Um, Will, what is what has been new? We took a couple weeks off. Anything new in on in your neck of the woods? Uh, see, I've been so I've got more details coming out on it next week. But I've been uh, hard at work on mm. this ME secret project. Uh, centered around Tennessee basketball. So I'll be saying some more about that next week. But uh, right 
rest assured that I've spent the last two to three months on and off working on it and that I am pretty pleased with how it's turned out. It's all done. It just has to be released over the course of October. Okay. Very exciting. Chris Lofton, a full-on full-on extended series on his impact to Tennessee basketball 10 years ago. I like it. <laughs> he gets he gets a big chunk of uh, one of the episodes, certainly. Okay. Uh, it's not an audio or video form, but I'm calling them episodes just so we can differentiate them. But mm. yeah, more on that coming next week. Um, to, all I can say is it's a little history series, uh, and I think uh, Tennessee basketball fans will find something to enjoy in it. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially they'll need it after what may be on the horizon this weekend in the swamp. (laughs) We might need something positive, uh, a palate cleanser, if you will. Uh, Don't forget, folks, you can follow Will on Twitter.com by going to Twitter.com slash StatsByWill and go to StatsByWill.com if you've not already. Go ahead and bookmark that site, especially with college basketball season um, rapidly approaching. Don't forget to also... Go to chasethomaspodcast.com. Uh, make sure to follow myself at chase double underscore Thomas. Subscribe to the newsletter where I'm writing every single day by going to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Um, and then, you know, if you like listening to Will and I talk college basketball once a week on this feed, make sure to leave us a five-star rating interview and email us. If you have a college basketball question that you would like us to answer on this very program, Email us at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Again, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Will, um, the best remaining college basketball prospects are who in your estimation? Well, it was very nice of ESPN to release an article on this subject. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say before you, uh, we went into the, the little promo, uh, they need to whip out the old uh, super sim button from NCAA football for this uh saturday night fixture but mm. on top of remaining college basketball podcast or prospects i think um a very obvious one uh, especially to people in knoxville around knoxville everywhere in east tennessee that are listening to this case and wallace from richardson texas uh number nine on this list and number seven now on the 247 composite which is about 10 to 15 spots higher than he spent the summer uh, he really showed out at the Peach Jam uh, over the summer uh, from what a lot of people said. Uh, uh, this is going to be a battle that comes down to Kentucky and Tennessee, a nice little classic recruiting uh, battle that I'm sure will upset nobody in any way, shape, or form on either side. Uh, I think UK, to be honest, over these first few months of the NIL, they've been a bit ahead of the curve in the NIL plan and their layout. Mm. Uh, what do you mean by that? It's a team that doesn't... I think they, they, you know, the, from what I've been able to tell, it just seems like they've had it together and they've had these packages ready to go quite a bit more than any other SEC team. I would compare it a bit to what Ohio State football has done with hmm. their NIL package because um, I know, like, obviously they're the big number one quarterback there, Quinn Ewers, is that right? Yes. Uh, you know, 1.5 million or something like that and it's but it's not just him a lot of the players there have you know gotten good packages all legal of course um under this because ohio state was ahead of the curve and i think kentucky basketball is sort of following that same path where they're really leaning on nil i mean it helps obviously that they are kentucky they've always been kentucky and they can just kind of sell that to recruits along with you know calipari's history of getting recruits to the nba with ease but now you can say okay you can come to kentucky and do that but hey, guess what? You'll 
also get this $400,000 package to come do it too. If I'm a recruit, I'm obviously it's hard to say no to that. Um, so I think Tennessee may have a little bit of catching up there to do. I do think from what I have heard and read that Rod Clark knew Tennessee assistant's relationship with Wallace is going to help Tennessee a lot because he has known Wallace for several years and has been working on this, uh, you know, for a while for Tennessee. I think the longer it goes, the better it probably looks for UT. Uh, Does he fit? The other three big ones. I'm sorry. Does he fit? Do you like the fit with, with Barnes in this group? Yes. Okay. Uh, I think Wallace would be good here. Anytime you can get number seven in the class. uh, That's true. Don't overthink it. Just accept it and figure (laughs) it out later. Yeah. Now, if if it were a deal where he couldn't shoot, then I would say, well, let's think about this a little bit, but Wallace can shoot pretty well. Well, hold on. Uh, I think that's more of a natural fit for the Rick Barnes offense. Can he make it a little bit clunkier in the half court? Then let's bring him in. Yeah, if he can make 13 footers, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. specifically possible. <laughs> 17, the 13, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other three big ones that are left, uh, Nick, Nick Smith, Jordan Walsh, Jaden Bradley. Uh, Nick Smith seems pretty likely to head to Arkansas, uh, which isn't a surprise. He's from Little Rock. Um, Must is obviously killing it there. Uh, very funny to me that one of the likely lottery picks in 2023 is just named Nick Smith. <laughs> very normal. <laughs> They're very average. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jordan Walsh, I think that's going to be kind of a surprise if he says no to Texas. Like, I know Kansas is in on that, but he's a Texas guy. Beard has been in on that for a really long time. Uh, it would be a little strange if he didn't pick Texas. And then Jaden Bradley is pretty much down to Arizona and Alabama. He's one of the last top 10 guys available. Um, please go to Arizona. Please do not go to Alabama. Uh, not biased at all here. Please go to Arizona. No, we we want it. We're not a biased uh biased group of group of guys in this podcast, uh, Will. <laughs> but it would be in the best interest of him. We're looking out for his like Tommy Lloyd. I mean, just look at what he's done in, in Gonzaga. Like that. Uh, that's where you want to go. Nate Nate Oates. I, eh, he he might be a flash in the pan. Tommy Lloyd. That's forever. Yeah, Alabama. You get overshadowed by the football team. Arizona. Right. I'm pretty sure they just lost to an FCS school in football. No they problem, did, right? Northern Arizona. But to and be fair. Anytime you can hire your defensive coordinator, obviously that's what you do. But that's another sport. An all-time great coaching name, though. Jed Fish. Jed Fish is a, is a delightful <laughs> yes. name. But not even normal fish. F-I-S. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeb Fish. What a name. What a name. And it turns out just becoming friends with Teddy Bruschi and getting uh, the ex-athletes excited about Arizona football again does not solve all of your problems. Um, I don't know. Them, Arizona is like one of the low-key, um, this is the first of maybe several uh, college football tangents, uh, 22nd tangents, but Arizona football is the worst Power 5 job that no one considers the worst Power 5 job. Like if you look through the history of Arizona football, it's unbelievable how bad they've been forever. Like this is, it's not, like Trung Candidate might be the best Arizona football player for the last 25 years um <laughs> like it's just it's just bad like they've been bad forever like pat toomey was 40 years ago basically and they're just who, uh hmm? who's the quarterback that kept putting up like 570 yards in games they lost by 14 points this was like a decade ago who is that is, that is like my main reference point pre-rich rodriguez was that so not rich rod footballs. they had a court sorry was that not rich rod no, this was pre-Rich Rod. This was the uh, latter days of um, Mike Stoops. Mm. Okay, now I get, now you're putting me on the spot. Yeah. I got to think about this. 
Uh, this is part of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Nick Falls. I'm trying Friday to. Nights and always lose them fifty-two to forty-two. I know who you're talking about. Um, I can see him. What is his name? Um, this is gonna drive me nuts. This is my <laughs> fault. I did this. Uh, what is I his follow. name? Did you find him? I have scanned Wikipedia. All right, this is this is like late two thousands, early twenty tens. Shoot, I'm an. It was Nick Foles. Was it Nick Foles? It was Nick Foles. He went okay. to because uh, um, they played some specific game. Maybe it was against Oregon, where it was just up and down the whole game. And I was like, I really wish this guy had a functional defense just once. There you go. There you go. Well, it it worked out for him. He won a Super Bowl later. Um. Which naturally brings us back to college basketball. But anyway, <laughs> Arizona, not a, not a football school, um, more of a basketball school. No. Basketball school coming to Tennessee this winter, actually. They are. Um, they're, they're doing the Kansas tour. And that's something else I wanted to mention to you. Like, Kansas is not winning any of these battles. No. Yeah, which is, it's interesting. It's hard to figure out what to blame that on. Mm -hmm. Whether that's, the you know, kind of the NCAA issues they seem to be having or... Like how much longer is Belstaff gonna kick it around there? Or they're not in worse shape than Arizona, right? <laughs> like we talk about NCAA issues, and then Arizona's just like we're fine. Tommy Lloyd's in here. We're we're gonna be fine. Things are great. I, I, I do think it really hurts them that uh, Chris Beard went to Texas mm. because it, it was it would have been one thing if it was just like Chris Beard did his thing at Texas Tech forever. It's like all right, nobody is exactly falling over themselves to live in live in Lubbock, Texas. Mm -hmm. But now when it's like, you know, the University of Texas, it's getting a little bit harder to win those recruiting battles. Absolutely. Well, speaking yeah. of recruiting oh, battles kind of, too, yeah. um, Kentucky and Duke, it seems like they're going to be fine. We mentioned Kentucky a little bit. We haven't talked about Duke getting another big one. Um, looks like John Shire is going to keep this, this thing rolling based on early returns, right? Yeah. Uh, I wish I could be surprised that the uh, the two best programs of the last 25 years are the top two classes. It's a very college football of college basketball for once. Mm. Um, I, I do think we are going to look back on the strangest season of all time and treasure it <laughs> because neither Kentucky nor Duke were in the NCAA tournament for what will probably be the final time in our lifetimes. Um, but I have I have two takes, one for each team, obviously. Uh, you would imagine this sets Shire up really well for year one. I mean, every recruit that's committed to Duke knows the deal. They know the setup. They're not really getting hit with the Coach K is retiring surprise. So, I mean, he's going to enter this first season with what's going to end up either being number one or number two class in the nation, plus probably a couple of starters returning. I'm assuming Wendell Moore and Roach stay for their senior slash junior years. Um, all he really has to do, I mean, he's getting the keys to a Ferrari here. I mean, that's at worst a top 10 team, night one next season all you got to do is not demolish it in the driveway just don't back through the garage door mm -hmm. uh kentucky's a little more interesting because um something i don't feel like we have really talked about not just us but sort of basketball media as a whole at the end of this season you know the 2022-23 season that we're referring to coach cal is going to be 64 years old um he's never really struck me as a bayheim coach till you die type so this sort of feels like one of his last big swings at the fences. Um, it, it's been a little bit since Kentucky has had the chance to head into a season where you say, hey, that's a team with three or more potential lottery picks on the roster. 
it's strange to say that because you know we, we would have just sort of assumed that in years past but the last four seasons of results have you know shown otherwise um you know they did recharge the staff this offseason but how many more big runs is cal willing to make and, and you know again not something many people have really talked about cal has an option in his contract where he can back out in a year starting in 2025 and basically become Kentucky's Barry Alvarez, not necessarily the athletic director at the moment, but sort of, you know, the assistant to the regional manager type of thing. Um, that's that to me, that's a little more interesting than the Duke case because with Duke, it's like, all right, new guy, new energetic young uh, coach. Uh, people want to come play for them again. Maybe they'll have a new system. It's Duke, etc. Kentucky. Now this is really intriguing. So I want to see. One, if they can hold it together. Two, if they can add anything else. And three, what that all looks like once next season starts. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you think this is something that college basketball figureheads want? Do you think this is something that deep down they do still want the Kansases, the Dukes, the um, the Kentuckys to be the cream of the crop? and continue? Oh, 100,000%. Okay. Absolutely. So they don't want what happened last year. Because th- think about it this way. Those teams drive ratings like yeah. nothing else. They have clicks like nothing else. People, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I clicked on uh, Kentucky Basketball Imploding articles last season. Yeah. Because I didn't get enough of it. So, um, I mean, But we're maybe not the right people, right? Like, I'm curious, like, in your friend circles, in your group of friends, your sports friends, like, do they do they find themselves more invested in the tournament if duke and kentucky are good like were they less intrigued by like is march madness not bigger than these blue bloods now where it's just like it doesn't matter if they're there or not we're all going to be obsessed with it and do our brackets and we're not gonna feel in any type of way about them not being good and also just like you know what i like doing i like bouncing around during the college basketball season i mean i watch every tennessee game but like I want to I wanna watch Mizzou one night. I want to watch FSU one night. I want to watch, especially like with prospects, is I want to get a feel for what Scotty Barnes is. And I want to see, um, like, insert Providence Friars, whatever. Like, I like bouncing around. I just don't know if that's what the majority yeah. of fans like and if they, they do feel more comfortable and more likely to watch if it's Kentucky and Duke, just because they're Kentucky and yeah. Duke. I would be really curious to hear, because, like, you and I, we live in Knoxville. or sort mm-hmm. of in the center of with Tennessee's main basketball rifle being Kentucky mm. and Duke not really being very far away. I would be curious to hear, like, if you lived, like, if you're a Michigan State fan or something, or if you're, like, an Iowa fan, what are your thoughts on March Madness, Sands, Duke, and Kentucky? Because mm. I feel like for them, it's probably, you know, like, oh, I kind of, maybe, maybe they don't miss it, but they're like, you know, it was a little more interesting when we could, you know, maybe see our team's eventually be able to play those teams because like michigan mm-hmm. state would never trade the experience of beating that zion duke team for anything i agree so i, I wonder if it's because like for me personally it was like not it was a nice relief to see something different but i think for the average you know maybe not a serious college basketball viewer and i'm not saying michigan state or iowa fans aren't serious they very much are but like for you know average joe who's sort of like it kind of doesn't care much about it until after the Super Bowl and then gets invested for March Madness. I wonder if, like, they kind of wanted to see Kentucky get in or Duke get in or, you know, toss it back a few years when UConn was always sort of on the, the cusp of maybe or maybe not getting in. Yeah. 
I just don't extrapolate like that. I notice that's a common media trope of just being like, oh, we want to, we want, and I'm like, no, don't use the collective we. The collective we drives me nuts. It's like, yeah. no, I, I'm good, actually. Like, my like my perspective or what I'm into is just different. Like, it's not, not what I... Just talk about what you're into. Don't do the... This is why they have these ratings. Yeah. is because you just continued this narrative that we're all looking for these teams. But if you're just looking at it, like you said, if we can do some deep dives into these other fan bases, like, do y'all actually care? Does it actually affect your enjoyment and affect yeah. your uh, stuff rather than us just assuming that's the case? Yes. Which naturally, well, brings us to the Washington State Kooks. We did a deep dive a few weeks back on their Moneyball approach um, by Coach Smith up there in Pullman. Two different situations going on. I don't know if you keep up with Kook Center, a very good Washington State blog on SB Nation. Um, a lot of good dudes over there. A couple of them been on this very program. Um, they're they're good. The basketball program, I would say, is rising, and uh, the football program could not be far it, it could not be cratering anymore and i i'm not gonna lie i'm not shedding a tear for nick rolovich um falling a, apart a very interesting mm-hmm. it's an interesting epic college football twitter kind of slowly do the homer simpson back into the bushes for nick <laughs> rolovich over the last three years that man left hawaii is their hero being the hawaii coach man he had the perfect gig i don't know why any coach who like if you, unless you're certain, unless you're certain you can win at a power five school and you, you can build the kind of program and you have the kind of resources to actually compete for a title. I'm staying in Hawaii. I'm staying at Boise. I'm yeah. staying at these like, small, like what? No, I'm doing like, he's universally liked. He's just fun offenses, the run and shoot style. Then he goes to coup country and then he doesn't get the jab and says some dumb stuff. And, uh, yeah, no, it's it's bad now. Now he can't get the, the... I mean, Hawaii's not playing well at all either with Todd Graham, so maybe he can get that job back. But I don't know. June Jones had it right where he was like, yeah, uh, I'm good. I did the whole Falcons thing. I did high-power football. No, I'm just going to go hang out in Hawaii and create Colt Brennan's and Timmy Chang's and just have a lot of fun in... Uh, let me check my notes here. Hawaii. Todd Graham is their head coach? He is their head coach, yeah. i wish i could have seen that process Mm, yeah no i got you washington Washington state basketball (laughs) (laughs) um it's pretty obviously deserved right like that so yeah we should mention he got an extension that was where all this was going is he got an extension through i believe 2026 2027 correct yes Mm -hmm. so like i mean they've overachieved the last couple of years and i mean for obviously like oh Overachieving means different things at different schools. Mm-hmm. So for Washington State, I mean, like they went fourteen and thirteen this past season, and have gone five hundred or better two straight seasons. They hadn't gone five hundred or better two seasons in a row since 2011-2012. So like that's a, that's genuinely a good, considerable achievement for what they are. Uh, and I, I mean, I think he needs to get like an NCAA tournament bit in the next couple of years. But uh, if he does, anything beyond that is kind of crazy. I mean, they've won three NCAA tournament games since World War II. That's not like, like a program with a overwhelming amount of historical success. If you make a tournament, like that's a pretty big deal there. Yeah. Because right? it's not like you're... And they're a fun watch, by the way. They're a fun watch. I watched yeah. several Cougs games. Guess what? You know what I didn't love watching last year? Kentucky basketball. Sometimes you want to watch something different, and the <laughs> Cougs are, are different. 
Yes, I like them. That's a fun little team. And mm-hmm. I think it, it kind of seems like there's a lot of online energy and maybe offline too for really rooting for them to make this year's NCAA tournament. And I'm in on that. I would love to see it happen. I agree. Um, Do you know where there's also a lot of online energy? The University of where? Phoenix. That's true. A lot of online shout energy. Out to the University I would like to shout out uh, Grand Canyon University too. <laughs> Strangest university. I don't want to get in trouble for that one. I'm sure that we have some Grand Canyon listeners, but that that <laughs> like blew up. They have beat writers, and it's a for-profit college. Yeah, it just kind of goes... Uh, we just moved on. Do we just not care about that thing? Like just blowing up the way it has? I, I don't understand. Are they accredited? Like what? Are, whatever. That's a different podcast for a different yeah, day. Yeah. They have to. Okay. So the, the one Kyle Smith thing I have is if you have not gone to his Wikipedia page, I strongly suggest doing so because I think he, there's years ago, Roger Sherman, I think then it has to be nation did a list of the worst Wikipedia photos uh-huh. and Kyle Smith has to be pretty high on that list. It's, <laughs> I don't know. One, I don't know why it's his photo. It's this very grainy zoom in of his face, like clearly mid sentence, and he looks exhausted. Like, like he looks like he wants to sleep so bad. And not only that, it's a it's a nine year old photo. Mm. So why is this his Wikipedia photo? What is the worst photo that, you ever taken? Like, huh? What was the worst photo you ever took? I think a strong contender, and I can mm-hmm. dig this up, is a picture I took while sunburned with like Disney characters at a Disney resort when I was 16 or 17. Oh. I was badly sunburned, had the sunglasses tan too, and I was like trying to fit in a picture with Goofy and Mickey, and it looks very bad. Interesting. Um, have I told you I've never been to Disney World? You have not. I have never been. But my parents took me on multiple occasions, multiple occasions to SeaWorld. It's so strange that I've been to SeaWorld so many times and I've not been to Disney World. It's never on the agenda. Never done it. Now I'm too old and sports renaissance women are probably going to to wait until uh, the whole kid thing comes up to, to get back over there. Um, but yeah, never never made the trip. Um, but I'm, I did have a really bad school photo i think when i was first grade maybe kindergarten no i think it was first grade first or second where i opened my mouth and like acted like i was screaming in the class photo and let me tell you um coming home to a marine father um when those pictures came back that was that was not a fun time in the thomas household will that was not a they didn't they didn't love the bit parents did not love the bit um so you know mistakes were made but sometimes that is just it happens now it's like urban meyer where your parents can display 500 photos in their home right oh that is the one of the weirder things i've ever seen (laughs) like for folks that don't know just go go look on twitter.com and look at the urban meyer uh photos in his den where it's just like and i think uh, the report, I think Shelly said that like Urban just loved, this was his idea to just put like all of the family photos on this one coffee table and it's just the memes that followed and people just be like walking around Urban's living room trying not to knock, like it's, it's incredible. It's one of the worst ideas I've ever seen. It's a, it, I can't believe it's a real thing. But then again, I'm like, oh, an elite college coach not having any idea for interior design, that checks out. Like I'm sure Saban, I mean, yeah. 
it has some weird stuff in his house too where it's like oh yeah i've spent all of my brain becoming an all-time great coach i have no idea what i'm doing with this <laughs> it's physically upsetting to look at <laughs> it's, it's, it's not great mm-hmm. it's not great um and that, to put a bow on that go check out kyle smith's uh wikipedia photo i just like it's funny um men sleeper teams ESPN also did this. I believe it was for the pod, Jeff Brazello, who did this one as well. Great writer for them. Um, who do you agree with on this list? Who stands out the most? Do you have the top sleeper teams heading into 2021, 2022? Uh, I got a loose collection of yes and no's here. There's some okay. that was just kind of ambivalent of, you know, like, yeah, fine, whatever. I get it. But there, there are three that I really did like uh, that was Clyde Coach has pointed out. Um, UCF from the American Conference, great sleeper pick, a team I personally expect to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, it's a good nucleus, a lot of returning quality talent. Darius Perry, chief among them, the Louisville transfer. Uh, and I kind of think Johnny Dawkins has become a little underrated as a head coach because mm. I know, like, his whole Stanford run was not great, obviously. Um, but I feel like he's done some underrated work at UCF and not like a school with a lot of basketball winning history either i mean the tournament they went to in 2019 that was their first in 14 years so i know they had taco on the roster but and obviously johnny's son but that this this roster really should make the tournament again for them um i don't know i just like it i like him seems like a fine guy it seems like a solid program is building there the two others that i liked um quite a bit and would endorse uh, Seton Hall, and as much as I regret to say this, Indiana. Um, I didn't really know Seton Hall was a sleeper team because I thought everyone was kind of in that, or agreement that they were going to be somewhere like a 7-10 to 10 seed come March. Uh, but I, I think Seton Hall is just going to be perpetual uh, a underdog team because Kevin Willard's squads just feel like underdogs. Like They could just re- make a Final Four run in the following year. It's like, uh, I don't know, that, that scrappy Seton Hall team, they, uh, they yeah. might show something this year in East Orange. Yeah, I, th- I think they're probably the fourth best Big East team, which doesn't sound that impressive, but to me, that's like, okay, end of year, that's probably a team that's like an eight or a nine seed. Mm. You're like, yeah, that's a stingy team to play. You don't really love drawing them on your schedule. Indiana is a curiosity that I, again, hate myself for saying this, but do endorse as a sleeper pick, at least in the sense that I think they're making the NCAA tournament, and I think that's like a five to eight seed, somewhere in that range. You gotta keep expectations for Mike Woodson pretty realistic. It's not like he's instantly going to be, you know, genius coach that erases all of the supposed bad Archie did. Um, but one, I think they're gonna have a functional offense, which is more than Archie had at any point in his time there. And uh, two, it's a good roster. They made a really sneaky good ad in the offseason with Parker Stewart from Tennessee Martin. Uh, obviously, he transferred from Tennessee Martin with his uh, father. The head coach passed away. But I think he was doing a fantastic job on that roster. It wasn't like they had a lot of talent surrounding him either. And, I mean, he could end up being a solid start by year's end for them. Um, two more that are not mentioned because they are mid-major conferences. Uh, um, but these are two teams I'm very in on. Uh, St. Bonaventure from the A-10, St. Mary's from West Coast Conference, um, the Bonnies seem to be getting some pretty consistent low-end top 25 love, which is going to look ridiculous to people who don't know much about them, but it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, 
they returned 87% of minutes and scoring back from a 9 seed Atlantic 10 champion. Starting lineup is entirely made of seniors, by the way. It's not sexy, but this is basically the average makeup of your every single year. How is this team I have never watched play basketball a five seed team? That's my <laughs> pick. And then uh, St. Mary's, a little different because I, I, I don't know how much you got to watch them last year, but they weren't very good. Uh, it was one of their worst seasons in a little while. Um, they weren't as, as experienced as usual, not much in the way of uh, upperclassmen talent. Uh, and they predictably struggled with that in the most abnormal basketball season ever played. But I like them for two reasons. Uh, one being Randy Bennett, one of the greatest offensive minds in America. I mean, you can kind of follow it stats-wise and see, you know, consistently for the last decade, St. Mary's has always ended up uh, in the top 15 in effective field goal percentage on offense. Because they just always generate good shots. And most importantly, though, they return every single minute played from their 2020-21 roster, which is very unusual. Uh, that, that's a team that feels was uh, very directly headed for like an 8-9 game. Uh, one of those that starts at 9.57 Eastern on that first Thursday. That's where I'm thinking I'm going to see St. Mary's. Mm. I like it. I like it. Um, will Memphis figure it out offensively? There was a really good piece I read a few days ago on Memphis, and like it was interesting to get... I love when they get the anonymous uh, rival coaches involved in these stories of like... Because I think I, I go back and forth on anonymous coaches speaking and a lot of anonymous GMs, sources, that sort of thing. But like something that is um, always always the case is that they're gonna they're gonna be more open. They're gonna be they're gonna say some things that are interesting, and you it just inspires you to go do some digging. You don't realize that Memphis just being so bad offensively and being so elite defensively. And like one of the things that rival coaches are impressed by Penny is that he gets them to buy in defensively every year and it feels like penny's been more successful at memphis than he's actually been to this point that he actually may have some heat on him especially with duran and bates and just this loaded loaded class and this loaded team really that the expectations are sky high but like there are questions of like is this offense going to be good enough to match those expectations because most teams and most coaches think that they're going to be a pain pain in the butt defensively on a random Wednesday night, but are they going to be able to score enough? Is the offense going to be efficient enough to warrant that top five, top 10 label? What do you, what do you think when you think about Memphis right now? It's a tricky case um, because it's not impossible for them to be good as an offense. I think teams with as much talent as they're going to have, have a pretty high floor uh, offensively. Um, what maybe not as much in the shooting side, but definitely, you know, offensive rebounding, turnover prevention, and obviously getting to the free throw line. Even even Tennessee, this past year's Tennessee team, which offered some truly wretched offensive basketball on many nights, put up 93, 89, 82, and 80 in conference play without much of a sweat. But I've still got some serious concerns on two things. that The roster itself does not contain a lot of shooting. It's got some, it's got some quality shooting even, but it doesn't contain a raw, it's not a roster where every single player on it has the ability to shoot. And it's not really even a roster where you say, okay, this is an eight man rotation and only two guys can't shoot. It's like three, maybe even four are going to struggle. And with that in mind, I get worried that Penny is going to spend more than my personal preferred amount of time putting multiple guys who can't shoot on the court together. 
there's not really a defense for doing that in modern college basketball unless you're historically efficient on twos. And uh, let me check Memphis basketball, not really efficient on twos a lot, twos the last few years. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for that to work, it's going to have to be, he's going to have to create some shooter heavy lineups, limit how much they're going with double big lineups. Um, and if they're able to do that, I could definitely see a scenario where that ends up being like top 15 offense in America, you know, schedule adjusted, of course. Interesting. But right now, I have to admit, I am I am a little cautious. I think the defense night one could be the very best in college basketball mm. and probably will be. Uh, I, I don't see a roster, to be honest, right now. All that would really compare. Michigan might be closest. But I think that's like night one, best defense in college basketball. You're going to have a heck of a time scoring on it. Mm. But whether the offense keeps up is another question. I would say... If I had to take a stab at it right now, that's probably an offense that finishes in like the low twenties, high thirties at the end of the year, which is gonna feel a little disappointing when you have the talent they have. But if you have a defense as good as theirs, that's still a top ten team, possibly even top five. Hmm. Expectations are high. And when is the, when is the Nashville game with Memphis? Uh, I think December eighteenth. Are you going to go? I would like to. It's going to be tough schedule and travel wise, but mm-hmm. I would like to. Because I mean, that's going to be that is literally the biggest Tennessee Memphis game since the biggest Tennessee Memphis game thirteen years ago. I want to go. That would be fun. I think it'd be pretty lit. Um, that's a good mix of fans too. Exactly. Exactly. Um, last thing we'll wrap up here. Will um, USC got a five star? Still doing stuff. Mr. Enfield making moves to replace Evan Mobley going top three in the draft to the Cavs. Um, what do you think, uh, Vincent? All right, let me see if I can do this. Uchuku? Do we know how to pronounce it? Do not, you know how to pronounce it? Not touching it. I would <laughs> call him one of two things, Big mm. Vince or Large Vincent. Um, large but, Vincent, okay. I still call Tua's Vincent brother Little Tua. Part. There's no way I'm going to be able to... I can't do it. <laughs> um, he, from what I have read, this is a very, very raw talent. Um, mm. Probably going to be a lot better, you know, two, three, four years down the road than he is going to be at 19 in college. But, you know, it's kind of like they are trying to replace Mobley with semi-budget Mobley. He has a real three-point shot, seems like a very good defender, uh, loses focus offensively at times. Um, the most likely outcome for a guy like him is just that like he's a pretty good starter in college which is fine I mean, a pretty good starter will make you a better team overall and if you make it to March having a 7 footer that can shoot 3's is a pretty nice X factor to uh, be able to pull out of your bag so I think he's a he's a bit more of a curiosity than a known commodity right now where he's had a bit of a late rise and he still has not quite developed into you know what people are think he will be one day but he'll get some positive contributions for usc and uh, uh i mean enfield has kind of done a better job than people realize i would say true or false in 2000 uh, andy enfield invested in and was hired as a vice president of finance at track manager a health care software startup that sounds right that's, that is right. That's right. Like, 
Dabo Swinney real estate agent at one point. That's right. <laughs> he he's just like insanely insanely bright. Like he was the valedictorian of his high school in Pennsylvania, and um, obviously had a great career. At John he like just getting into Johns Hopkins and graduating from there, and he got a NCAA postgraduate scholarship. And no, Andy Enfield, smart dude, smart dude. Also, does not look fifty-two, whatsoever. Do you know what it is? It's because he was a Leonard Hamilton assistant at Florida State for five years. And Leonard Hamilton, as we know on this podcast, that man does not age. There's something in the water in Tallahassee. Yeah, the fountain of youth thrilled Andy Enfield. I, I like 52. it. Fifty-two. That is kind of crazy. It, I, I guess you know you think of these coaches as young, but. I guess 44, he was 44 when Dunk City happened. Mm-hmm. So that's like not necessarily as young as I would have thought I remembered. Well, he's aging and into he Billy Donovan. Like he's just like yeah. a couple years away from looking exactly like Billy Donovan to me. <laughs> Billy Donovan, 56, Man. aging pretty well. Yeah, 56? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So that means, yeah, so he would have been, you know, 31, 32 when he started at Florida. Yeah, look at those pictures, and you're like, oh, wow, Billy Donovan, young Billy Donovan. Um, a different dude, a different dude. Now he's the, the silver fox in Chicago. Um, <laughs> Will, we can check you out at statsbywill.com. We can follow you on Twitter at statsbywill. Go do that if you've not already. Again, twitter.com slash statsbywill. Look out for his new content, his new episodes coming out. I'm assuming on statsbywill.com, correct? Yeah, statsbywill.com. Um, I don't know why I'm being so secretive about it, but uh, I guess I like hyping things up that probably don't deserve the hype. But uh, uh, keep your schedules open for October 4th. Uh, That's when I'll be beginning to release my work. There you go. There you go. And then uh, a Tennessee basketball fan, keep a lookout towards the end of October for the Tennessee season preview I do every year excited for that um things are great tennessee basketball efficient threes it's gonna be great no no question i'm i'm ready to ready to get hurt again um don't forget folks check out chasethomaspodcast.com subscribe on apple or spotify wherever you get your podcast but if you are an apple podcast listener it helps us if you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on apple podcast it would be great sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com type in your email and then of course just email us if you have any college basketball questions you would like to answer on next week's show chase thomas podcast at gmail.com will i will talk to you next week yes thank you for having me on all right that'll do it for today's episode of the chase thomas podcast thanks again to stats by will coming on the show don't forget to go check him out at statsbywill.com follow him on twitter at statsbywill follow myself at chase double underscore thomas go check out chase thomas podcast.com bluewirepods.com to get access to all of our awesome shows across this great network um yeah and uh make sure if you are an apple podcast listener and you like today's show leave us a five-star rating interview tell a friend all the good stuff sports renaissance man I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.